1: Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review, with Donovan again. Episode number 332, recorded November 22nd, 2020.
0: So today we're doing Star Trek Year 5, but only two issues, 14 and 15. And then we're following it up with... Con! Mirror. Yes, yes. uh, What's it called? Hell's Mirror?
1: Hell's Mirror. And that really is fascinating, because they took the whole Mirror Universe thing a lot further than i expected right it's
0: definitely more alternate universe than a lot of the other mirror universe stuff is
1: yeah and not always in a good way uh, you said it's your favorite but uh, I, I had things i didn't like about it yeah i liked year five issue 15 and i liked hell's mirror 14 was fine too of year five but not my favorite of the three sure.
0: And then uh, next week, we'll do 16, which, uh, spoiler, I've already read. So I will try not to tell you how it all ends.
1: Okay. Well, thanks. But all right. that's later. Let's Shall we dive right in? Yeah, to 14. Okay. Issue 14.
0: All right. So issue 14 came out September of 2020 by IDW Comics. It was written by... Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, artist by Angel Hernandez, colorist by Fran Gamboa, letters by Neil Utaki, editor Chase Marotz, consulting editor Denton J. Tipton, and then the Star Trek Year 5 showrunners are Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. So there's only two issues that are two covers that I saw. The first cover is by Stephen Thompson. It's the main cover. And it shows Kirk uh, holding a batleth up to his face. It's a close-up of Kirk's face. And then we see in the reflection of the batleth that he's holding up, we see a uh, Klingon yelling at him. And then the uh, alternate cover, the the weird one, is by J.J. Lindley. And it's kind of a travel brochure. It says, experience the glory of the Klingon Empire. And then at the bottom it says, if you won't come to us, we'll come to you. And then the picture shows some old, smooth-headed Klingons with their—one guy has his hand up with a dagger, and it's stabbing through the Earth. And then we see some silhouettes of some uh, Klingon D7s kind of flying towards the, towards the planet.
1: Yeah. Kang, Koloth, and Kor. Is that who they're supposed to be? That's who they are. Oh. Koloth from The Trouble Tribbles, Kang from Day of the Dove, and Kor from Erenda Berzi nice i I love that cover that's great yeah you said that was your favorite it's my favorite i like it
0: yeah these uh those weird alternate ones they're very hit or miss for me yeah all right so back to the story in case you forgot spock and mccoy have been captured by the uh, federation for snooping in and i'll give into some more explanations on that But mainly, Kirk has just been beamed aboard a Klingon ship to ongo some uh, trials due to his transgressions against the Klingon Empire. And he's aboard a Klingon ship that's in the middle of a giant Federation fleet. And the Klingon ship has said that uh, if they didn't give over Kirk, they would detonate some bomb and destroy, you know, the whole fleet that was there around them. The main story starts with Kirk on that said Klingon ship. And he goes through his trials. So basically it's kind of broken off into four mini trials. So the first one, trial number one, they say this is due to his transgressions during the episode Friday's Child that uh, caused the Klingons to lose a lucrative trade deal. So here he has to dodge some blows from a huge Klingon male and female that are swinging some batlets at him. Or actually they're like clubs. He dodges a few, but then he gets hit a few times by the giant massive clubs. Then starts the second trial. This is a walk through a corridor that's lined with hundreds of pain sticks. And then the, the, they tell him that this is due to the events of the episode Ellen of Taurus. Elana of Troyes? Is that what it is? I don't know. It's some weird word. E L A A N. How would you pronounce that? I pronounced it Elaine. But you're saying it's Ellen?
1: I thought it was Elan. Elon. of oh, Troyus. That's,
0: that's probably it. To sound like Helen of Troy. Perhaps. All right. So it was the events of Elan of Taurus where he stopped the queen from starting a relationship or finishing a relationship or consummating a relationship with a Klingon assassin. By, you know, putting the Kirk moves on her. So he gets through the uh, corridor of pain sticks. And then starts trial three. And uh, this is a walk through a long corridor that's full of fire. And this is due to Kirk's release of the triple Plague. Which happened at the end of the Trouble with Triples episode. And once he makes it through there, he's burnt, battered, beaten. He now has to fight his fourth trial. Which is actually... Mortal Combat with the main Klingon guy, with uh, Batleth. And so they start the trial, even though uh, Kirk cannot even stand up hardly, but he is determined, and he says, Bring me my blade. Meanwhile, while all this is going on, Spock and McCoy are captives by the Federation itself after they learned the horrible experiments that were being performed on crew members that we're returning home from the long-haul missions. The evil admiral, his name is Koraxi, and he is doing the old James Bond thing where he's monologuing, explaining how his evil plan is really not that evil and that the end justifies the means. But while he's talking, uh, Spock breaks free from his chair and he nerve pinches him. Back on the Klingon ship, the final trial is still going on strong. Kirk is able to hold his own against this massive Klingon warrior. His strength comes from an internal monologue he has about how he does not want to leave David without a father, just as his brother has recently done with his own son. Kirk falls to the floor and drops the blade. He's about to be stabbed through when he's actually able to catch the oncoming Batleth by grabbing both sides of the blade before it strikes his face. Before the Klingon can pull back and deliver another shot, Kirk is beamed away. Kirk finds himself on the transporter pad of the Theseus with Spock and McCoy. They tell him how Shaw is now in command. Kirk requests to be patched through to all the surrounding fleet. He tells them not to worry about the bomb that the Klingons are threatening to use. He orders them all to start firing on the Klingon ship. Which they do, knowing that this may be very well the last thing they ever do. As Kirk expected, the Klingons do not kill themselves, but instead turn tail and run. Kirk later meets with Shaw, and he gives her the answer she asked last issue about him running for office. He tells her no, but perhaps she should run herself. Much later, back on the Enterprise, Kirk is Back in the command chair, and the ship is making her final trip home. Spock tells them that they've received some unknown readings and asks if they should break off to investigate. Kirk tells him that that's someone else's job now. McCoy says, Who's to say that they're going to do it right? And with that, we see a little glint in Kirk's eye. The end. You didn't like this one, huh?
1: Well, no, it's not. Th- I liked it the least of the three. The main thing I I didn't like about it is it was just too hard to believe how Kirk was able to fight the uh, main Klingon at the end. Right. I mean, the the idea that he went through the pain sticks, he got through the two big Klingons clubbing him with spiky things on there, and then he goes through, what, fire? I mean, he was super hot, air is coming right out at him and then uh, i think the, the angel hernandez i think he did a good good job like showing basically kirk is really messed up i mean his right. skin is his burnt and like pink underneath you know where his exposed uh lower layers of skin and it just he just looks really nasty his like right, right eye is all all messed up
0: yeah it's his right eye that really gets me it's just like, yeah. it's all like it's not just a little bloodshot. It's completely red. Exactly. So it's just red with pupils. Which, yeah. which you know, you've seen people that have taken trauma to the head. That that's often a that is often a a sign of oh, cool some some damage. So right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's 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 hurt. messed and, up. And these bat lists are huge. Which <sighs> <laughs> they look so cool. But, yeah, when he's able to hold his own, uh, I was also like, "Yeah, this is a little hard to believe. It yeah. looks cool, and I love it, but uh, <laughs> this guy looks like he knows what he's doing, and he's
1: not hurt. So no. Why is he? No, oh, he's factory fresh. He's, right. he's ready. And he's a Klingon. Klingons are, are stronger than humans. Uh, at least I thought. Anyway, it depends upon the movie you watch. Depends on the show. Yeah, exactly. And the size of these bat lifts, like you mentioned, it... it it's like at least double the, the thickness of anything Warf ever hefted, right? And Kirk is all bruised and battered, and 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 he's he's able to use this huge meat cleaver. I <laughs> uh, I don't know. It just it's just it was just hard to believe. Um, right. But whatever. Other than that, this is fine. This is good. <laughs> and I, and I and I do think that things wrapped up a bit quickly at the end. Oh right. Uh, so um, Well, yeah, I mean that the
0: the Admiral was taken out Just by a nerve pinch And then some of Do- that whole storyline's over No,
1: Donovan, that was the old Vulcan head pinch
0: <laughs> But still, it's just like There's a lot of stories still there that yeah. are really unresolved It's just like, that's it And then now Shaw's in control And everybody's yeah. back to normal
1: Yeah yeah, so yeah the, I, didn't, I didn't care for that part. So McCoy was able to talk the guard into coming over to their side after Spock disabled the admiral, who was also a medical guy, right?
0: Right, Now, yeah, it's a medical ship, yeah.
1: Right, okay, so so a medical admiral is calling all the shots here and is the big bad guy, which I thought Maybe was a little he's odd. Maybe not a medical but, admiral,
0: I don't know. Yeah, there was two guys, and we weren't sure okay, if, so was, there, if there was the same guy or if it was.
1: Two but it guys. was, yeah. But it was the same species, because yeah, definitely right. the weird head and everything, right. uh, the skin, the bald, but the pattern, uh, honeycomb pattern, whatever. Anywho, it, things just really. I mean, they left you like, well, how the heck is anybody going to get past all this now? How are they how are the kids all going to get past this now? How's Kirk going to survive? How's uh, McCoy and, and Spock going to get out of being basically put in detention by Starfleet? And it all just wrapped up quickly in this issue. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. I wasn't crazy the wrap about that.
0: Was was a little abrupt.
1: Right. Yeah. So why did they draw it where Spock grabbed his skull instead of his neck? Uh,
0: well, I mean, it, to be honest, I guess he didn't even do a nerve pinch. He just, like, smashes his head against the... Oh, ball. did he actually
1: smash it against something? Yeah.
0: yeah oh, yeah, he did. Doing a nerve that's right. Pitch. I think he's okay. just, like, smashing his head into the wall.
1: Okay, good point. Good point. Um, but he was yeah. still
0: able to use his Vulcan strength to break out of those bonds.
1: Ah, uh, right. So is it his right hand that's still in the bonds? And that's why it he's got his like left he, hand? Or you got them both out? Both of them. Okay. It looks okay. like he gets both at the same time cool also on that same page there's a shot just before spock breaks his bounds where they show his head and, uh, and the bad guys behind him and spock is saying there is no way you can escape the fallout of your own hubris and it's like angel what's the deal with spock's right eye i mean Lincoln. it looks like he's almost cross-eyed and his right eye is like uh, half the size of his left eye so, yeah, maybe he's in the middle of a blink. I don't know. I think, I think he's winking to tell McCoy, I got this. <laughs> okay, that could be it. But it's like, I'm just looking at this. It's like, the more I look at Spock's face and eyes, the more I'm like, ooh, what's what's going on? Yeah. It's kind of weird.
0: I do like how the Spock looks a lot like uh, the motion picture Spock with his hair cut that way. and mm-hmm. I don't know, just... Something more, like more like picture motion picture Spock
1: than... Uh, than, than Taz Spock.
0: Than the TV Spock, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Maybe it's just the uniform, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So, uh, I know that you did not like the fight scene, um, but when Spock, or not Spock, when Kirk grabs that Batleth that's coming down on his head, and mm-hmm. he just, like, claps his hands. Oh my god. Instead of yeah. clapping the air, you 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 clamp onto an oncoming blade. Yeah. Uh, The first time I ever saw that was in a Batman comic when I was in, like, middle school. uh, And I remember thinking, Batman's the greatest uh, fighter ever. ever." ever. He (laughs) got the axe that was coming for his head by clapping. And I was truly impressed with Batman. So when Herc does it here, uh, and, you know, it's 30 years later, maybe longer, I'm not that impressed. It's more now it's just like, yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Okay, he's so but, no Batman. Come on. Yeah, so Batman's got his gloves on, right? So that's probably going to help a little bit. And uh, I'm going to guess Batman was not beaten to heck when he did that. Uh, and plus, he's Batman. Come on. Sure. Uh, and Kirk he's is trained for that. Exactly. I mean, Kirk. Kirk has good Starfleet uh, and maybe bar fighting training. I don't know, but uh, you know, come on. Yeah. So he's on his back. And the Klingon, even if the Klingon is the same strength as a human, he's got his full weight coming downward, and then Kirk's going to be able to use his own deplenished human strength to uh, have enough friction on on that blade to keep it from. Eh. Eh. Eh.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: But, but he did whatever. it. He did it. He survived that, Wily Kirk.
0: But anyways, I just that really brought back that
1: memory of the uh, cool. that The issue. Batman.
0: Yeah, uh, back oh, bye, when I was a kid. Bye. Cool. I wish I knew what issue it was, and then I can compare the two panels mm-hmm. to see if it's exact, exactly the same. Yeah,
1: maybe it's almost like an homage. Maybe,
0: maybe As Angel Hernandez was like,
1: "Yeah, Donovan, I like that too." When I was a kid,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> quit ratting
0: on me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the uh, the expressions on Kirk's face while he's fighting, I mm-hmm. absolutely love. Yeah, I mean they they nailed Shatner in his in rage mode. I thought I thought he looked really good, like when he's like screaming about I don't know the panel. The words don't really match his face because he's talking about how he can he knows how to kiss in eighteen languages. Mm. But <laughs> you know that's the kind of thing he's thinking of. But in his face, it's just like rage and fighting uh, with these giant batlets. Loved it. I thought it was great.
1: Yeah. That particular panel you're talking about, I'm looking at it right now, and it does look great. Yeah. Yeah, Angel Hernandez is a good artist. Very good artist. Right. He really is. Although I remember earlier that there was one he did, I think it was a next-gen book. Picard and Riker were drawn like superheroes or something. Oh, really? And Angel did that one. And they're like super muscular and all that kind of stuff. It's like, uh, this isn't right. This is is not... It's Star Trek next-gen. It's not... It's not superhero time.
0: Was it with these comics cuz that's the only time I remember the I remember the
1: the actors being super buff. Uh, I don't remember exactly. Huh. okay. But definitely he did a lot of the um ongoing with the JJ verse right. cast. Right. So he did great there and he's doing awesome here. I mean he's one of the better. It's one of my he's one of my favorite artists.
0: Yeah, no he's good. Uh, I like it.
1: Yeah. Now, speaking of art, the final full page is showing the Enterprise continuing their journey back to Earth after their mission. And, of course, they're surrounded by an honor guard of, like, 15 million starships. So that's it's a like, lot of yeah. that's that's a lot of, it's a, there's a lot of starships. And I just think it's just fascinating seeing some of the shapes Angel chose to include. It looks like he's got at least three... Of those ships, look a lot like the Bonaventure class ship. Is that um, the
0: one that has the engineering section and the saucer kind of combined?
1: Yeah. So the very front of it has uh, the deflector dish coming out its nose. You know, yeah, the, kinda, the, that, that looks really cool. Well, uh, I never liked it. Uh, I think it looks kind of kind <laughs> of weird. But yeah, I guess if you get used to it. But uh, the Bonaventure was an early ship. I mean, it's, it's more of an Archer time period ship. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I actually. Uh, so here, here's a little, little thing about the Bonaventure class. The Bonaventure class was a class of Starfleet Starship that was brought into service after the NX and related designs. So it came after the NX 01. It marked a radical change in starship design, described as being the equivalent leap as the original Phoenix to the NX class. That's a big jump. Oh, that's a big jump. These ships were on the drawing boards as of the year 2163. Hmm. Huh. Anyway, that's just a a little summary on a wallpaper kind of thing, a PC wallpaper. Right. Graphic that shows multiple views of the Bonaventure. And that's what these look like. Although, there are variations on them. Or unless... Are some of them flying upside down? Hmm. Anyway, whatever. And then there, there's another ship I see that kind of reminds me a bit of the Kelvin uh, from the 2009 Star Trek movie. And then the other ones look more typical of, of Star Trek, I guess. There's definitely a, a
0: Reliant from yep. the, from Star Trek Two.
1: Yep. There's a Reliant, and then there's a couple other, uh, you know, Constitution class ones. It looks like multiple of those, and then the other ones are just like, like circles and ellipses. They're far enough in the back you can't really tell what they are. Did
0: you you see that one that's like right below the um, the Enterprise that looks like it has four
1: nacelles? Oh yeah, look at that. Oh that's yeah, interesting. I've never, I've never seen one like that. Neither I. So on each side there are two nacelles, and they're like. They're almost like they're they're joined together. Right. So, I mean, so, like, right next to each other. Hmm. And then if you go straight up from yeah. there,
0: there looks like a ship that has no nacelles, but two engineering sections, like a, a saucer section and then an engineering right. section on each side, but no nacelles.
1: Well, that's what kind of reminded me of the Kelvin. That
0: reminded you of the Kelvin? That, oh, did. Okay.
1: that did. Now, mind you, the Kelvin had... The saucer section, and then above and below it, in the middle, it had an engine in one case. I think the lower one was the engine. And then the upper one was the engineering section, I think. Or maybe I got that backwards. But, uh, but you're right. I mean, okay, fine. Details. Uh, this appears to have two uh, deflector dishes. Why would you have two deflector dishes? Right. Huh, whatever. But yes, that's the one I thought reminded me of, uh, of the okay. Kelvin. Alright, I see it. I see it. Okay, is there anything else Nope. That's all I have to say. Yep, I don't have anything else.
0: I I did think it was a little odd the whole fleet one just stuck around the whole time waiting for Kirk to do this. You know, if someone oh. came in and said, I got a bomb unless you beam over Kirk You know, and then once they have Kirk, why did the why did the fleet not
1: back off or try to get away? Get away! That's like a star base they're at, aren't they? Yeah, I don't know, but
0: you know, save a few of the ships if he's really got this nuclear bomb or whatever that can destroy a whole fleet. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like a little excessive that he could take out this whole fleet and the star base with one ship.
1: Yeah, well, they're kind of packed in; they're kind of close. But yeah, yeah, it's kind of stupid. <laughs> oh well, I don't know if it's stupid, but
0: well, I mean, it's stupid to pack your whole ship, all your ships. in. Oh, that them. close you together! Got, you got all of space, yeah. and yet. I mean, I know you want to make it look like a cool panel when the when Enterprise came in and saw this big fleet, but uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. Space out a little well, bit. Well, room. Also, also, I mean, it's like, hey, is anybody watching any other parts of the Alpha <laughs> Quadrant? So you got an awful lot of ships here. You
0: yeah, know. that would be a good time for... Uh,
1: <laughs> a Klingon for invasion? Be, yeah, <laughs> or, or, I mean... A <laughs> Romulan invasion? Or Romulan, anybody. Because everybody's here. Anyway, yeah, and the last thing to say, the idea that Kirk was able to know that the lead Klingon was actually a Klingon with no integrity through the battle with him,
0: they're just, they're
1: he learned enough about what kind of Klingon he was that he knew the whole thing was a bluff, and he wouldn't do anything because he cares about his own hide too much. Right. So that was... So you're saying you don't believe that? No, no, I, I think it's fine. I think, I think it's fine. I mean, he was able to go over there. He learned the enemy through his trials. He learned who his enemy really, you know, who, who, what kind of Klingon his re- enemy really was. And so he came back, and he knew enough to call his bluff. So I thought that was good. I liked it. Yeah. It just seemed a little yeah, unbelievable a little that pat. everybody
0: everybody would just listen to him. Oh, Kirk, Kirk would never mislead us. Uh,
1: he's the man. Kirk <laughs> is the man. Okay. Anything else? Uh, nope, I'm good. Okay. Let's go on with issue 15 that I'm covering. I don't see any title. So I'm going to assume there isn't one or they just chose not to tell us. Published date October 2020. Writer is Jody Hauser, which is cool. A new uh, I am sure she's written something before, but I don't I don't remember her name for many issues, prior issues, uh, but maybe she did, but that's great, somebody different. Sylvia Califano is the artist. Charlie Kirchhoff is the colorist. Neil Yataki is letterer. Showrunners Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Editor is Chase Morotes, Consulting editor Denton J. Tipton. Two covers again. The first one features Harry Mudd trying to plant the Federation flag into a rocky planetary surface. While Kirk... Sulu, Spock, and Chekhov are all trying to stop him. Mudd is either very strong or he got a hell of a head start as the other four men are struggling mightily to stop him. The cover's by Stephen Thompson. I mean, even Chekhov is like up in the air. Because <laughs> he's at the highest point of the flagpole. Second one, Retailer Incentive Cover A, features Harry Mudd smack dab in the middle of a political poster promoting his run for Federation president. It has a childish style to it that I think is trying to get across how unprofessional Mudd's campaign is. Covers by J.J. Lendl. His ordeal at the hands of the Klingon gauntlet finished. Kirk is making a log entry with literary allusions as the Enterprise passes Saturn on her way to Earth. Later in his quarters, Kirk is contacted by the Federation Attorney General, who asks Kirk to divert to Andoria and conduct a threat assessment. The target is a potentially credible originalist candidate for president. As she is running for the Federation president herself rather than Kirk, She needs to know who this new originalist candidate is so she can make plans to stifle their chances. Spock proactively tells Kirk he does not think it wise for him to accompany the captain down to Andoria when they arrive. Kirk objects, but Spock makes his case and offers a compelling replacement suggestion. Kirk meets with bright eyes in engineering where he is working with Scotty. Bright Eyes is hesitant to accept Kirk's offer to accompany him to Andoria when he hears the Andorians will likely hate him. Kirk explains the fact Bright Eyes is not from one of the original Federation worlds, but has proven himself to be a brave, critical part of the Enterprise crew while they protect the Federation interests. He is a shining example that exclusion of newcomers only hurts the Federation. Scotty lends his support to deal with anyone that tries to make Bright Eyes feel not wanted. Later, Kirk and his party beam down to Andor, the capital city of Andoria. Renee, the campaign chief of staff, meets them and refers to Bright Eyes as Kirk's pet. Kirk and Scotty set her straight, and they get down to business quickly, with Renee asking Kirk why the Federation sent a spy so early in the campaign process when they have not even officially announced their candidate. Kirk scoffs at the spy accusation and points to his landing party as being open and coming through the front door. Confused, Bright Eyes points out that they use the transporter. Kirk says he is looking forward to hearing more from the originalist candidate, to which Renee says, indeed, and he is looking forward to seeing you again, Captain Kirk. Right on cue, hardcore Fenton Mud comes through an open doorway with a lovely-looking companion effusing how good it is to see his dear old friend James T. Kirk. Scotty points to Mudd's criminal record, and Rene responds saying they know all about it and are impressed how Mudd was able to put all that in his past and is displaying amazing drive to build a better tomorrow. Kirk asks for more information about Mudd's redemption, and points out he is in violation of his most recent sentence, again. Mudd says he has Kirk to thank for his current circumstances, and so much more, and launches into his story. The story picks up on the planet of the android Stellas that Kirk left Mudd on. He explains he sent out subspace messages offering to sell anything that was not strapped down and ended up making a killing in sales that he used to pay off bills and contemplate the future. What could be next in his life that would set him on an honest, righteous path? Inspiration came to him when he realized politicians are just salesmen that work to improve the lives of others rather than lining their own pockets. Kirk responds sarcastically saying, so why not start by running for the presidency of the Federation? They address the fact that Mudd's assistant is an android that he kept around to handle scheduling, researching, accounting, speech writing, essentially all the campaign work so Mudd does not have to do anything. Kirk incredulously asks Renee why they chose a man with no experience to run for the presidency. She responds saying Mud did run an entire planet on his own, and he is very persuasive, putting forward the platform of the originalists. Kirk says, no doubt, putting it forward to people that already drank the Kool-Aid. Renee did not deny and said the number of people that share the originalist view is far higher than Kirk thinks. Later in a private room, Kirk Scotty and Bright Eyes discuss what they have just learned and figured out what the originalists are doing, picking a con man like Mud as their candidate. Do they think his experience as a con man, a snake oil salesman, is exactly what they need to talk dim-witted federation citizens into a fear-based xenophobic future path, pointing to people outside of the original federation as the source of all their problems? Demonizing them while distracting the populace from the real originalists' agenda? Kirk asks Scotty to do some digging into the Android assistance campaign accounting. The old saying follow the money might prove enlightening. Scotty attempts to sneak up behind the android and deactivate her so he can conduct a more thorough examination. She detects him, turns, and throws Scotty against a wall. The android Celia enters Mudd's office, where he asks her opinion on which terminology is most accurate to describe himself. Visionary? An inspiration? A prophet? Her useless response, saying that they are all just great, leads Mudd to call her a sycophant and asks her for the latest campaign finance report. An unexpected voice responds, saying... Is that all you are after? The money? Mud almost falls out of his chair and asks who the unexpected intruder is. Why, it's a human in an old-looking gray suit with a cat at his feet. Gary Seven says he is a concerned citizen that has a few questions about Mudd's campaign. To be continued. Bum-bum-bum. Bum-bum-bum. So, it's all coming full circle. It's coming full circle. I just find it interesting that I thought Gary was putting all this into place, when in actuality, it's been going on. I mean, I thought Gary was behind the whole originalist movement, and maybe he still is. But definitely this whole usage of mud does not appear to be his doing at all, but he sees an opportunity. So that's kind of interesting. Because I think that his
0: original plan was to kill Kirk or something, and so... Now he's just trying to grab at Stroh's. I don't know. Well, he's going for plan B. Right.
1: And and that's a good point. So a few issues ago, he was trying to kill Kirk and destroy the Enterprise. All hands. Um, Right. So he's looking for a plan B. And so maybe he wasn't behind the originalists, although I thought he was maybe. But he sees an opportunity in in the originalist movement and in this Harry Mudd character. Okay, so that's probably what's happening. Right.
0: Were you unclear about how we went from the last page where they're heading to Earth with the big giant fleet to this page where they're all by themselves and they go off and have a little adventure?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, they basically use the excuse of going to Andoria to stave off the end of the five-year mission, I think, which I think is very convenient. Right. I, I,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. But so they never made it home? It I don't think they ever yet. went home. So did they... Where's the rest of that fleet? <laughs> Good
1: question. Yeah. I mean, it where... seems
0: like Shaw's at home, so she and the rest of the fleet went on, and did they go and do that little side mission that uh, Spock mentioned at the last, end of the last issue? You know, where he said, you know, we've, we've detected some, some... Yeah, there was an excuse uh, that yeah. they could
1: go and look. But I thought Kirk said no.
0: Yeah, he did say no. And then okay. McCoy's like, who, who knows? Whoever it does do it, does it right. right. And, then, yeah. and then the next page, uh, we're here. So I was like, well, maybe they use that as an excuse to go do something else. And then now they're doing this. I, I don't know. I was unclear okay. as to how yeah, they lost the rest of the fleet. Well, there's I a wish lot. they would have said it.
1: There's multiple things in, these, in, in this series of books where they're just kind of like, uh, let's just move the story along, not, not explain everything. And then stuff happens. Yes, and then stuff happens. <laughs> yes. Here is the Enterprise, uh, surrounded by dozens of starships on the way to Earth and end, end the five-year mission. And then stuff happens. Yes. <laughs> and now they're all alone, heading towards Saturn. Yeah. Right. She, um, I forgot her name, the one running for president, Right. And she is currently, I think she's the Attorney General of the Federation, currently, when Kirk and she came into contact, and I think she was the Attorney General of the Federation.
0: You're talking about Shaw, or are you talking Shaw. about the
1: Andorian woman? No, 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 no. Yeah, forget, yeah, yeah. forget about her. No. Right, uh, right. Shaw. Okay, thank you. Right. I did not remember her name. Now, okay, so she's the Attorney General of the Federation, and she's a candidate for president. Does she have the authority to be sending Kirk off on, on a little little side trip like this?
0: Right. That's more for her political maneuvering than so it is for to be. the Federation.
1: Exactly. So how do you... I mean, it's Starfleet that controls starships. Right. So you called in favors. We didn't. We weren't shown this, but you obviously called in favors with uh, the Admiralty to get Kirk to go off on this thing? Hmm. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean... The-
0: They took out an admiral or two in the last issue, so maybe uh, (laughs) maybe she gets to call more of the shots now. I don't know.
1: I don't know. Yeah. You're not supposed to think about it too hard. Yeah, you're not. Just just go with it. I got a feeling at the beginning when she was telling Kirk to go off on this and basically almost kind of like, well, doing political intelligence work for her. Right, right. Uh, Which... Okay, it's important that the right person gets into office, but and it's important to stop the originalists, because basically they're going to end five-year missions. They're going to end exploration. That's part of their agenda. So Kirk has some skin in the game here. I mean, this is what he likes to do. This is what he thinks is important for humanity and, and for the other races of the uh, Federation. So there's a lot on the line here and stuff, but still, it's kind of ooky. <laughs> and I was kind of wondering, hey, wait, is this, is this shock? Is she gonna end up being a bad guy? Is she gonna be the bad guy? Oh no! Yeah. Oh, oh. Anyway, I hope not. I hope not too. But
0: who knows? I mean, aren't all politicians bad guys?
1: Well, no, they're not all bad guys, but they do oh. all seem to uh, bend the rules more than they should.
0: So, what do you think about this politician? This uh, this guy named Harry Mudd. <laughs>
1: Well, like I might have mentioned in a previous episode Maybe I didn't I am surprised Well, I definitely texted you about this But I'm surprised he doesn't look like Richard C. Carmel Did I get his first name right? Oh, right, right. Well, the, the original actor He doesn't look like the original actor He basically is Dwight from The Office So it's, it's that version of Harry Maude From uh, Star Trek Discovery Yeah Right So although his outfit Well, eh. No, even the outfit is more towards the Discovery mud. Anyway, it's kind of like a, like a military nautical kind of long coat. Right. Um, but I guess the sash is more Harry mud from Taz. You know, the, or the one around his gut. Right. So why do you anyway. think
0: that is? Do you think that they just don't have the rights to his likeness?
1: Well, you had said that. And you
0: may be well, right. That's what I think, yeah.
1: Yeah, and you may be right. Maybe, uh, maybe they think the average comic book reader now is more in alignment with the new Mud? I don't know. Well, if you remember the, um,
0: in one of the new frontiers, right, the photo novels with it, that Mud was in, John Byrne yeah. always had his face in, in shadow so that you could never see who Mud was.
1: uh. Uh-huh.
0: And then, and, um. Uh, and then I think in that issue it was like when when it was Mud his face was always covered by a pipe or in the shadow or whatever. Right. And then he actually turned into Kirk so yeah right. Kirk's him face. Be Kirk for the rest of the issue. Right. Um and then here he's he's obviously n- nothing like that guy. So I I think it's just that they don't have the rights to his face so they they were like, "Yeah, well we got another Mud, so we'll just make him look like that one." But that's total guess. I have no idea. Yeah.
1: And you may be right, although, like, I can't think of an example of any other Taws actor that they haven't been able to use if they wanted to. So did this actor, who, he was just a normal actor. I mean, he he did the rounds on 60s TV shows. You know, he was on The Man from U.N.C.L.E. and he was probably in some of the westerns. I mean, he's been a lot of you know. He was one of those those actors that rotated as special guest stars in a lot of TV series. Right. Um, so he was he somehow got a different contract than everybody else. I don't know. Uh, it seems odd if he did, but maybe he did. Right. Hmm? I mean, he's long dead, right? Long since dead, uh, I would think. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised.
0: I-, I looked him up, and I was surprised he was he was in something else that I used to like that I never realized that was him oh what? Uh, now I can't remember what it was he
1: was in a lot of things
0: right movies yeah, I can't remember what it was yeah but so and it doesn't really matter <laughs> okay Okay. Uh, the other thing I, I saw was that he was gay oh really I didn't know that yeah, that's what that's what the article said huh that he was you know back before you could be open about it mm. and that I guess it maybe it hurt his career after they found out I don't know oh mm. which is sad that don't I don't. Make know. Any I, don't I don't get it. Why people? But why would it matter?
1: I agree. I agree. But,
0: let's see. I know that he was in uh, Transformers. He did a lot of voice actors. Oh, and stuff right.
1: Later. A lot of voice acting work. I, I can see that. He's got a unique voice.
0: Oh, he was Doctor Bombay in uh, in I Dream of Gene. Was that
1: it? I mean. Uh, oh wait. Oh, that bewitched. Doctor Bombay was, was. Was that a, it? Well, Doctor Bombay was bewitched. Right.
0: Maybe that was it. But.
1: Was he? I thought the Terry something or other was Doctor Bombay.
0: I don't, well, I don't know. I remember there was something when I was looking him oh, up. He, that was just like, oh yeah, that was that yeah. Was
1: it? It, it, he was on all. He was on in tons of different TV shows uh, back in the sixties. Right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He could have been Doctor Bombay. Yep.
0: I don't know if that was it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter.
1: So we should just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking about somebody. uh that they inserted in the comic that I, at least I haven't noticed before in a Star Trek comic. Somebody from Taz. It's the alien dog made a guest appearance.
0: Alien dog?
1: The alien dog with the unicorn horn on his head.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> like Sulu's pet in that episode where they replicated him?
1: Well, okay, so was it Sulu's pet? I didn't remember that. I don't, I but, don't remember. But, but, but he was definitely in The Enemy Within. Yeah. So I don't, know, I don't remember where the dog came from, but they basically used it to test the transporter. And all they did is take this poor dog, put a whole bunch of extra hair on it, gave it antennae and, and a unicorn Ant- horn Ant-a-horn. coming yeah. out of his forehead. Poor dog. So I did a search for this and I got a good shot of uh, Spock holding that poor dog. And right. it's like, you can just tell. This dog is like, what the heck is going on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what have I got all this garbage on me for? And now. am I about to get beamed? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Split into my evil half and, and good half? Come on. Anyway, it's it's kind of cute. I, I I think it's awesome that they, in, they included him in that one panel.
0: Yeah, I didn't even... I didn't even recognize it, but it even looks even looks like the same little guy.
1: It does look like the same little guy. Exactly. So the robot that Harry had, she doesn't look that much like the good-looking robot from that episode of Taws. Right. Well, there was a whole bunch of them. Well, there were, but I just... I don't re- Well, were there? I mean, but there were only like... I thought in that episode they only had like maybe four different types, and then they... They replicated them, so it was the same it was the same model multiple times, yeah, so maybe there were two good looking young lady robots, but I only remember one, and she didn 't look like this one. I think she was a brunette, actually, but whatever um, right,
0: yeah, this is definitely not that one, but
1: but I thought there was more than one. I think there was quite a few there might have been there might have been when Harry does his little story thing, that definitely comes under the heading of hmm, let's just get past this quickly and don't think too much about it. Right. So is he saying he sent out a subspace message from the planet of the robots in between Stella nagging him and said, hey, I got a whole bunch of robots. Come on and buy them. Is that what he did? And then he ends up selling these things. He, he talked about selling everything that wasn't strapped down. So technology, uh, robots, and maybe other things. He sold that all off, and that's As how he was. like would... slaves? I don't know, but, but I mean we we all know that we all know that there was a story where that did happen, and and Harry was actually selling uh, like, right. like concubine, uh, oh, yeah, android right. robots, Those right? Were
0: androids too, right?
1: Th- those were the androids. So okay. he was actually, he figured out how to make them so that they wouldn't in the end <laughs> uh, tell him to, you know, blow off. I mean, they, they would continue to, to, to listen to him. So he was able right. to figure that out and then he was selling them to like Ryza or something. Yeah,
0: that was Mud's Women, right? That was the name of the episode?
1: Well, no. I- I'm talking about that a comic a different book. One? I'm talking about a comic book.
0: Oh, oh, oh the comic
1: book. Okay. Comic book story. Yeah, so the first one was Mud's women, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the, that's the Taws one where he ends up having real women that he is selling to uh, dilithium miners. Right, and yeah. then the other one came later where Mud is with the androids.
0: Androids, right? Right, and, and now I'm talking up. about stuck. Yeah, okay, all uh, right. right. So there was a comic book. I don't. There was a comic that, book story,
1: man. yeah, where he was selling uh, androids, and uh, Kirk got wind of it. I did, that wasn't that long ago that we did it. I don't huh. think, but. Huh. And it all runs together. It all runs <laughs> <laughs> after a while. Well, have we done a few of these, Donovan? You know, when, when you read okay. thirty, forty I years feel better. Of
0: comic books, I start getting a little.
1: I, I start. Okay, I feel better because <laughs> I, I I mix things up and I feel and you're usually spot on about exactly. You. What we read, and even what issue it was, yeah, well, that was uh, DC's volume 2 run, uh, number 55.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: 55 okay.
0: was a good issue of volume 2. <laughs> anyway.
1: Anyways. It was not clear to me how Mud got off the mud ball and got into the position he's in now. It wasn't 100% clear. They kind of glossed over a lot of details. Right, and does this take place
0: after Mudd's episode in the animated series? Oh, In that one, he was already off the Android planet, too. So, Oh, interesting. But okay. here, they act like he just got off the Android planet, so they don't even reference that episode of the cartoon at all.
1: Damn, I hate when they screw with uh, consistency, or uh, continuity. continuity, that's it. Yeah, continuity. Exactly. continuity. It's like they ignored the episode. I didn't even remember the episode right I can I can't remember
0: the specifics of the episode, but I know there is a mod episode yeah I agree so you know how when uh, you're talking and wheels start turning yeah um, so the whole his likeness thing was still rattling around in the old noodle Mm-hmm. I do now remember that uh, he was in an episode of Batman Green Hornet they did a crossover and he was the he was the villain oh uh, his cool. name' was Colonel gum if I remember oh. Right. <laughs> And the only reason I remember his name is being Colonel Gum is because a few years ago Kevin Smith wrote a comic book, yeah, which was another crossover between the Batman '66 and the Green Hornet, yeah. And they used Colonel Gum. He he used Colonel Gum, but he he like promoted him to General Gum, so now he was General Gum. Oh. But he could not use – this is what triggered it. I remember now he could not use uh, his likeness. So they had oh, to the have him likeness? with a mask on. Oh. And that they had some explanation as to he was doing an experiment and it exploded in his face or something. And now he's wearing a, a mask throughout the whole series, oh. if I remember.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: So that's another example of uh, – Not having the rights. Not being able to use hmm. his likeness. Because everybody else in Batman 66 looks like the uh, actors, actors from the – from the wow. show, except for him, he always had to wear a mask. And I kind of now remember an interview with Kevin Smith where he said that, you know, he gave him a promotion to General Gum, but we still couldn't use his likeness, so we just threw a mask on him or something like that.
1: Oh. Hmm. So,
0: so I guess in his, his will or something, he, he did not give rights to his likeness. Yeah,
1: somehow there's a legal issue. Yeah. But it's kind of cool to see Dwight here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I like him as Harry Mudd. I think he's great. I just wish he had more consistent writing. Here or just in general for that, that actor? In Discovery. Yeah, okay. So in the short, in the uh, mini or whatever they're calling the uh, Trek shorts? Uh, short Treks. Short Treks. Uh, I did not like the Short Trek with oh, Harry loved Mudd. It. That, that was one of my favorite ones. Really? Yeah. I thought that it was and, forced.
0: That and the Triple One, I think, is my two favorite.
1: I Well, I like the Triple One. That was great, yeah. I like that one, especially since they, who they, since they got the the guy that does the Archer voice, McGurk. M- McGurk. <laughs> what? That's the name of the character in in the minisode? And uh, no, that was his, That was the name of the character from
0: uh, he played in. Oh, Bob's home. Burgers. No, nah, home movies. It was a TV show way long ago.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: Uh, no, his name in that episode was oh, I forgot what it was because they kept calling him. He kept calling him an ass or something. <laughs> he was! But you think I would remember he was a that jerk. way? Cause it was like... He, I forgot what it was. Okay. I love that episode. Well, that was my favorite. Now, that was
1: great, but I'm not as crazy about the short track with Harry. I I, like I, it. I, I, I think it could have been written much better. Uh. And it was forced. I'm not crazy about that. But I thought the first season episode with Harry Mudd and his time looping, I thought that might be my favorite discovery episode ever yeah that was good because that was a good one i liked it and i like how he kept on killing Lorca, <laughs> even though that's kind of like mm, mm. harry was never a murderer right I mean, there were lines he did not go beyond but man he was killing Lorcan, and he seemed to be liking it
0: so uh speaking <sighs> of expanded universe with mud uh mm-hmm. there was next generation novel based on um data creating law uh, recreating law okay and he goes to mud's planet to find the androids there to learn from from how you could create a uh you know to get help in creating is LOL. this a comic book
1: or a novel yeah, it was this? a
0: novel okay okay uh, i think it was called inner light or something like okay, that but yeah. in it they they meet up with mud he's still alive in the in that future but he's like Decrepid. like a cybernetically enhanced and stuff like that he's he's very pitiful shape. He's like in like a spider body and stuff. He's just oh. kind of like being kept alive on life support.
1: Right. But
0: he's so stubborn, and he won't. He won't let himself die. Kind of thing, because he keeps waiting for the next big thing. Oh, got uh, it. So he tries to con Data when he gets there and stuff like that. So, so it is kind of cool to think that in that continuity, that that author, he's still alive and uh, still on the Android planet. <laughs> cool. Which which he might end up going back to the android planet at the end of his uh, presidential
1: run here. Who knows? Yeah, you think he'll know, win? We don't know how this ends. You think he'll win? Uh, I'm gonna say no, but he will not serve. Even if he wins, he will not serve. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know why
0: they're doing the presidential thing. I mean, don't we have enough politics in our day-to-day lives to... <laughs> why do we need it here in Star Trek?
1: Oh... Well well, I I don't know if you got some of the things I was saying in the synopsis. I got the things you were saying, King. But basically, you know how Star Trek sometimes mirrors real life? Uh huh. Well, I think but the snake oil salesman might be presented as kind of sort of Trump perhaps. Maybe. Maybe I think that's where they're going with it. I
0: think they are. And I don't think it, I don't think it's too. It's not very subtle.
1: <laughs> Goddamn liberals that produce the these language. that produce these things. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's what I think they're going for. So,
0: so I, I heard know. somebody complaining about um, the new Wonder Woman movie with Maxwell Lord kind of being
1: oh it's be allegory to Trump. Yeah. Oh really? I did not know and, that.
0: And the thing they kept saying was. Orange man bad, you know. They kept saying, "Oh, it's the orange man bad trope," and I was like, "I've never heard that before."
1: But you said get, the orange man bad trope.
0: Yeah, yeah. This this guy kept calling it the orange man bad trope. Oh, I guess he, interesting. All all the movies and stuff that kind of turn in some businessman, mm-hmm. evil businessman into a, uh, you know, power hungry mad a Trump. Issue. A Trump type. Uh, okay. Allegory. Uh, okay. Is is. According to him, lumped into something called Orange Man Bad, which just sounds funny. And and when you were given your synopsis, I kept thinking of that uh, of that guy <laughs> and his Orange <laughs> Man Bad, uh, tropes. Ha. Huh. Well, which I don't know. It may not be a thing. Maybe it was just him, but uh, but but he's right. I mean, a lot of shows have been doing that.
1: Yeah. Well. Uh, but
0: it's I... nothing new. I mean, Lex Luthor from the '80s was a businessman that bad. was evil and everybody else saw him as good. And then he ended up going to being president. So it's like, it's, it's not a new story, but
1: no, Nope. It, it is kind of funny that it kind of happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny, weird, not funny. Ha Right. Yeah. Coincident. Uh, there was a doctor who episode with the latest doctor, the female doctor, where they presented a character that was played by Mr. Big from Sex in the City. I don't right. know if you ever watched Sex in the City, but I forgot the actor's name. But he used to be in like Law and Order. Uh, he was one okay. of de- one of the de- detectives or something. Anyway, he was then he was Mr. Big. You know the the, the big main boyfriend right. to Jessica Parker, right. and then um, so then of course older. He was presented as the bad guy in this uh, in this episode of Doctor Doctor Who, and mm. it was so obvious that he was he was supposed to be uh, Trump. But even in the episode, you know, there was one point where somebody says, Are "You Trump or something?" and he, and they say, "No, I'm not Trump." People keep confusing me with Trump. I hate that guy. It <laughs> is something like, like that anyway. Ah, uh, more liberal media. Damn it. Okay. That's all I have to say about this one. I'm looking forward right. to the end. So next you, next issue. You want
0: me to tell you how it ends?
1: No, next issue though. Dang. Or next next episode. Yeah, we'll we'll be we'll be doing episode. it. Looking forward to it.
0: All right. So today we're going to finish off with doing the one shot called Star Trek Hell's Mirror, which I called Mirror Khan. That's that's what I call it. Uh, it was only one issue. Came out August of 2020. The uh, writer is J M artist by matthew doe smith colorist by candace Hahn, letterer neil Utaki, editorial assistant is riley farmer i don't remember ever seeing that name before editors chase morotes and denton j tipton just two covers first one is by matthew dow smith and uh, it has the word hell's mirror and then underneath it we see uh, kirk and spock in there evil universe get-ups, Spock with his goatee. Underneath that, we see the Enterprise flying by, and it says a whole new universe to win. And then taking up most of the picture behind him, we see Khan in his Space Seed uniform. Variant cover is by George Calzotos. Sure. And it's a painting of Khan, a very young-looking Khan with long hair, and it's kind of like don't know how to explain it. It's orange with a with a stripe down the middle and then on both sides is, is just white. So it's a very artistic depiction of Kant. Quite nice, actually.
1: It almost looks like one of those romance novels, guys.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, like Fabio or whatever his name was. <laughs> <that's not covered laughs> exactly. Books. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, good point. The story starts, and we get kind of a uh, alternate take or an alternate explanation of Khan's past, but in the Mirror Universe. So I uh, just made a few bullet points here. So uh, in the far past, assuming it was the 90s or so, uh, there was a eugenic war. In the end, Khan and his Superman were captured, locked up, and then put into suspended animation and sent out to the stars. So very similar to how it is in the Prime Universe. A few hundred years later, uh, he is awakened, but this time not by the Enterprise, but instead by a rebel ship fighting against the Terran Empire. Khan quickly becomes the leader of the rebellion, and they say that he's retaken about a third of the civilized space away from the Empire, and even has Spock as his right-hand man. And then it says Khan has a secret plan that he calls the Satori project that will finally overthrow the empire and free the galaxy from the human's rule. So then the kind of the story picks up in earnest. Kirk aboard the ISS enterprise is in a firefight with one of Khan's overpowered ships, not Khan directly, but his rebellion ships. The enterprise has no chance of getting through the ship's shields. Uh, Kirk then contacts the rebels captain And is greeted by a superwoman. She's uh, one of his freed um, superwomen from the 90s. Uh, They talk about how Kirk knows that she has Dr. Daystrom. And he offers to let her go if they release Daystrom. The woman does not fall for his bluff. Kirk then does something quite unthinkable. He takes a phaser... And he disintegrates everybody on the bridge, which includes Ahura, Rand, Sulu, and several others. He then sets the Enterprise to self-destructs and requests that she beams him aboard. Still fearing a trick, she goes ahead and beams him aboard just as the Enterprise explodes and kills everybody aboard it. On the Rebel ship, the captain interrogates Kirk by lifting him easily from the floor by holding his neck With one hand. She demands to know why he just did that. Kirk just chokes out, Take me to Khan. Later, Kirk is brought before Khan and Spock. Kirk and Khan have a little, not a big fight, but they do trade a few blows while they're goading each other. Kirk says that Khan is no better than the Empire, that Khan's rebellion is no better than the Empire. Khan eventually has enough of this and he tries to perform a mind meld in order to know the truth. Khan is unable to get through Kirk's defenses, so Spock has to step in and do it himself. So through Spock's mind meld, we see baby Kirk and his childhood on the Iowan farm. Uh, We see Kirk being taken away by armed troopers as a boy to be trained into the tool of the Empire that we know. Khan now believes that Kirk's motivations to turn against the Empire are true, and he kind of takes him under his wing. And then we get a montage of how Kirk slowly becomes Khan's most trusted rebel agent. Eventually, Kirk asks to see the secret Santori project. Khan initially refuses to share this with him, but then eventually agrees that perhaps now is the time to share his ultimate weapon with both Kirk and Spock. They travel to a planet called Seti Alpha 5, and they enter a secret bunker there. They're taken to Khan's ultimate weapon. It's a massive library with all of the forbidden texts from the galaxy. Kirk laughs at this. Khan insists that knowledge is the way to liberate the galaxy. Kirk states that a dozen Imperial ships are now in orbit and will soon glass the planet with Khan along with it. Spock then stabs Khan literally in the back showing that he was in on this ruse as well. Kirk stabs at Khan again, just for good measure, and the two of them beam away as the ships in orbit start to blast the planet. Later, Kirk and Spock discuss the images Spock saw during the mind meld. Kirk tells them that he must be mistaken. There was no doubt in Kirk's mind at all. Once Spock leaves, Kirk secretly opens a book called Once Upon a Future King and he begins to read. Perhaps Khan's plan of knowledge overthrowing the Empire was not that far off as it seemed. The end. So what'd you think?
1: I was really surprised that the whole mirror thing where people are flipped. Uh really Khan was flipped. He was a really good guy. <laughs> The idea of the ultimate weapon being knowledge and books and all that kind of stuff was yeah. almost naive. It struck me as a little naive. But, but it, um, it might have worked. Well, okay. It seems like it could have worked. So are they saying that Kirk had this book already, hidden in his quarters, or that he took it from the library before it was uh, nuked?
0: Yeah, that was unclear.
1: That was unclear.
0: Yeah, because I could, I I mean, I kind of find it hard to believe that he had that on him. But then again, why would he have it?
1: Well, the Enterprise was blown up, right? Yeah, the Enterprise was blown up. So if he had it, I mean, I'm not sure what ship he's on now, but they gave him another ship. So this couldn't have been a book that was left on the Enterprise because everything blew up. Right. So Ah. either he had this someplace other than the Enterprise, which means he probably wasn't reading it much. Or he did steal it from Khan's uh, library. Yeah, I assume
0: that he stole it, but in the panel that it shows him beaming away, it doesn't seem like he has it with him. So
1: yeah, yeah. So I'd... it's very unclear. It's unclear. So did you? And
0: I don't know that book that well. I mean, it's a King <clears throat> Arthur book, right? It is by T. H. White. I mean, exactly. Is it, is it once... considered
1: uh, forbidden? No, no. Well, the Once and Future King is the full. Is the full title. You can't see all of it, but that's what it is. And really, that's just a... It's a collection of multiple previous books by T.H. White. Terrence Hanbury White. Exactly. So, basically, he retold the King Arthur stories that were originally done by other people. Sure. And he did two or three books retelling the stories. And then this one... Uh, the once and future king is kinda like he he put the earlier books together into one. Right. And, and but, but I mean exactly but would, why? It, would it
0: be something that you would read it and then feel like oh maybe you know, King Arthur's rule is is the way to go in the future? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it would be that would make it Well he was a just uh, king.
1: He's still a monarch, right? I mean, oh, yeah, people well, didn't
0: vote for him.
1: Well, no, no. Well, of course not. I mean, th- that's the whole thing about kings. I mean, it was King Arthur. I mean, he, he got the kingship when he pulled the sword out, right? Right. Which seems like an odd way to elect a ruler uh, or arrive at a ruler, period. But that's what they did. Yeah, so uh, Arthur had complete power, but he was a good king. Because it wasn't like he was raised by a king, right? So he was a normal guy, right? And then, and then he came to power, so he was able to be a just king, as opposed to somebody who has been uh, had a silver spoon up their backside their entire life and uh, thinks they can do anything they want.
0: So I always, I always thought King Arthur was kind of a a retelling of David. David? Oh, King David because he, oh, he was the little shepherd boy that became... I never shepherd. knew that.
1: I mean, I, really? this is totally... I'm, huh. no, I'm just, Could I just. thought
0: that. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, it was the French. These were French stories at first, right? Right. Uh, I'm not...
0: The hmm? first book was, or the La de d'Arthur, or whatever
1: it was called. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. You know, Anyways, like
0: a, I said, oh. I, I didn't understand why it would... If it was supposed to be an allusion to this was one of the forbidden texts that Kirk got his hands on because I don't know the story that well. Uh, I mean, I know the story of King Arthur, but I don't know that book specifically that why it would be one of those
1: forbidden texts. Exactly. Of all the books that Dematis or Dematius, well, whatever whatever the writer's name is, of all the books that he could have picked to be appropriate for this evil version of Kirk to maybe begin to get some kind of new information exposed to new information that could make a difference. Fascinating choice. Because I'm not quite sure why, I mean, other than maybe King Arthur was a just king. Other than that, I can't see why this would be such a great thing for for him to read. Right. Well, maybe in the Mirror Universe <laughs> maybe he was Maybe
0: he was not. Maybe this is really a, you know, in, in the Mirror Universe he was a tyrant and, and Kirk's just reiterating his tyrant beliefs.
1: Oh, 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 wow. Oh, wow. King Arthur could have been a tyrant. It's a mirror mirror universe. universe. Exactly. Ha! fascinating, Donovan. I had not thought of that. So how would that be good? (laughs) It isn't good. Yeah, exactly. And we know know eventually he becomes Emperor
0: Tiberius. Right. right, From the Deep Space Nine episode. Right. So I don't know where they're going
1: with it. Well, maybe that's the whole thing. They want you to think, and we just thought, and we're confused. So So
0: I will say that when the Enterprise blows up in the uh, first couple pages, I was shocked. I was like,
1: what? You can't do this. Right. Yeah, but you knew it was all part of a a plan to get Kirk in there and to, to stop Khan. You knew it had to be sure. part of a, a big, elaborate thing. So that was like, uh, this is kind of obvious, guys. But then when it turned out that Spock was also a uh, an imperial implant, that surprised me. Right.
0: That surprised. But, I mean, me. it
1: seemed like a big price, though. I mean, he he kills
0: Sulu, Ahura. Oh, yeah. No, the whole crew that we know of. Yeah. We know they were on the bridge because he yeah. shoots them. Yeah. But then, yeah, we don't know who else was on the on the ship still. I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah, but ultimately... I, 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 was, I was very surprised that they killed off everybody and the ship. Yeah, I, I was surprised too, but come on. I mean, the, the guys in charge, the emperor, whatever. Yeah, get rid, of the, get rid of the ship. You know, Get rid of that, get rid of the people. It doesn't, doesn't matter. We need to stop Khan. He, he's taken back a third of our worlds. Freed a third of our worlds. Right. Uh, this guy is the ultimate threat. We need to stop him. It just means that this Mirror Universe cannot be the same Mirror
0: Universe yes. from all the other Mirror Universe Yes, right. I agree with you. I, I like agree that. with you.
1: I don't like that. It has to fit. Well, At least somewhat. No, but that's, that's the beauty of the multiverse. You can have as many of these as you want to. That's true. That's you true. know. I mean, come on. Uh, DC has certainly pl- applied the waters uh, liberally in all of their comic book stories. Uh, right. And uh, Marvel has some of that, too. So... And Star Trek, and yeah, you know, I'm kind of interested to know this whole idea of applying the multiverse idea. What came first, Mirror Mirror, back in what 67 or something? I'm not, or 66? I don't know. Or some of the stories in the DC universe and some of the stories in, in Marvel.
0: Um, oh, as far as
1: mirror universes. Well, okay, so mirror universe is Star Trek, multiverse is that that's what DC calls it yeah right. okay. I and think then that's I, what Marvel calls it too okay fine um,
0: yeah in fact I think that's even the name of the next Dr. Strangeman
1: the multiverse of madness yes yeah. exactly okay fine so so all the same ideas right parallel universes which is came out of uh, you know physics theoretical physics and writers started saying hey let's, <laughs> let's use that idea that's kind of cool It's a hell of a plot device. Right. You can make anything you want. And it's
0: easy. I mean, you don't have to have have anything fit anymore. No. Oh, yeah, that's an alternate universe. Exactly. That's uh, Earth-183 or whatever. Yeah, like that season of Dallas.
1: (laughs) He didn't really die. That was an alternate version. Oh, that was a dream. That that entire season was a dream. Yeah. Yeah, so the multiverse is a lot better than, oh, it was a dream. Right. I still ask, what still came first? the same thing. Well, it's all the same thing, but I, I still like to know, though, I'm kind of interested in what came first. And it doesn't matter, because people use whatever, but it's just kind of a intellectual exercise. Right. You know, when, when did they start popping up in Marvel comic books? When did they start popping up in DC? It's probably another the, DC thing. The Flash thing of that,
0: Two Worlds, which, is the, uh, is which the was first the first one? time they established that there was more than one... DC Universe was uh, September of 1961
1: Oh, 61, wow, that's a long time ago Okay, so DC gets it
0: Odds are Marvel They they had the Golden Age, and then the Silver Age started, and that was when they created a new Flash Mm -hmm. with a whole new background and then eventually that Flash teamed up with the other Flash which they introduced as being a whole other world So that's how they retconned their Golden Age into their, their current continuity Right,
1: okay so, yeah. 61 was when they did that. Okay. So, kudos to DC. And who knows? I'm sure there were, there were probably science fiction novels exactly. that really did it first, but I don't right. know what that would be.
0: Right. It's not something we're still talking about, so.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, anyways.
0: What else about this issue did you like?
1: Oh, I, I love when the Enterprise exploded. Yeah. I mean, that, that looks pretty cool. Did all, you like All, the all explodey. Hmm?
0: The golf cart later Did you like that part
1: Golf cart Golf cart golf I don't cart, know The little
0: cart. It looks like a very Contemporary little Like hatchback Type uh, golf cart Looking thing That they get into To drive to The library
1: Oh right
0: I just right, did right, not right. get Yeah back, right. I, I it's agree like a normal That is car. odd it's like, That's just a normal car Why,
1: why? I, I agree It isn't even hovering Or anything I know It has wheels <laughs> Yeah So that's the thing They drive underground And whatever Right yep I did like that it was on SETI alpha five that was that was a nice touch. Yes, I like that too. That was very cool. So no matter what, Khan will always come back to SETI Alpha five right but uh
0: I did not like that uh I mean Khan goes down so fast, just
1: yeah just stabbing I
0: him back I mean, I guess he got taken down by he believed in these two guys and then they ended up just literally stabbing him in the back literally you know almost a you know a Caesar thing.
1: Yep. And I guess Spock knows human anatomy well enough. He knows where to stab somebody. Right. Yeah, I was kind of, like I said, I'm kind of disappointed how naive Khan was. But he had faith in the ultimate goodness of man, which is kind of funny considering it's an evil mirror universe. Right.
0: In those first couple pages when they were kind of given his backstory on yeah. in the in the before times and yeah. during the eugenic war, did it act like he was, it acted like he tried to take over? You know, it seemed like it was the same thing.
1: That he tried to take over, yeah, but, they
0: rejected him, they, they yeah, sent but,
1: him on the uh, botany bay. But remember what he said at the beginning of the issue. Khan was thinking in his mind about what was going on. And he was thinking about what he did back in the 90s he was saying i was trying to save mankind giving them purpose i was bringing i was giving them paradise offering them paradise i don't think our our universe con ever couched things so positively mm. i mean he wanted power and he wasn't as bad in some of the stories he was not as bad as some of his other supermen but ultimately absolute power corrupted absolutely and he wanted power. And that's not what this Khan's thoughts were. Now maybe he would, when I was first reading it's like, oh, Khan's just fooling himself. But no, this Khan is actually a good guy. He yeah. actually was trying to take power to benefit mankind, to take them on a, a different course. Right. Uh, and, and he wasn't successful back then. Right. Anyway, but he so, almost so,
0: got... He almost had it this time, but... Yes. He trusted the wrong folk.
1: He did. And I wonder how he got caught the first time also.
0: But. Yeah, and so if the mirror universe is uh, so evil, why did they not just kill him? Why they put yep. him on ship Good and point. send him
1: out? Send him exactly. Out? That's kind of expensive, isn't it? Right. I mean, rockets aren't cheap. Uh, and life supports. And life support. Yep. Uh, those fancy cryogenic... Things, yep.
0: So oh well, oh well. Uh, to be honest, I didn't like the story that much. I'm, I, I'm gonna be a little negative here. I, I didn't care for it. Uh, I thought there was some shock value stuff, you know, with Enterprise exploding. Mm-hmm. But then, and then with, you know, I thought maybe he was being sincere when it showed his family and how his parents could have, uh, yep, tried to teach him something different. Yep. Oh, I guess his mom is reading him Once in Future King. As a little boy, so I guess that was uh, that was the call oh it,
1: oh, that <laughs> makes that makes more sense then, yeah, but is he doing it okay, so that gives the idea that maybe some of what was in there did stick with him, as opposed to him just being like, "Oh, I really liked the story when I was a kid
0: right, but anyway, so his mom had a book, so was it I guess maybe it wasn't forbidden, or maybe she was, he was taken away because it was forbidden, and they caught her with it, who knows
1: yeah well but, def- definitely the parents were painted in a very positive light. Right. Now, was that all part of the plan? Or was that real? It looks like it might have been real. Or at least... Yeah, it looks like it's real, but it doesn't make sense because
0: if Spock was really in on it the whole time, why'd they even have to go through the charade of
1: yeah. really
0: mind-melding? If yeah. Spock, all, all Spock was going to do was tell Khan what he quote-unquote sees, he could have said anything. He oh, said yeah, anything. I see Spock always... or Kirk always was rebelling, you know, in his own little way, his old life, and blah, blah, blah. You know, he could have made up a story. It didn't need to show us what he really saw. Right. If if he was really in on it, which we don't know that until the very end, but right. But once we do know that, then that makes that scene not make any sense. Why would he actually have to do the
1: mind meld thing? Well, he's going to... Well, he has to do the mind meld. He doesn't, doesn't have
0: he? to. He could just say he did it. Well,
1: uh, yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. But, I mean... Khan had to believe he did the mind meld. Sure, because uh, somebody as as expert as Spock at doing mind melds certainly could break, get past uh, Kirk's defenses. Right, but what if Kirk didn't have any of these
0: tendencies? Well, would a spot, would oh, Spock? Would Spock pretend up. that like, well, that's just it. Why don't yeah. just get up to begin with?
1: Well, but you have to. Okay, fine. Whatever. You're splitting hairs. We're splitting <laughs> hairs. He I'm had he had to look like he did a mind meld, and, and he Spock did do a mind it,
0: meld. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't need him to do an actual mind meld on me if if I knew he no. was in on
1: my ruse. Uh, I agree, but did he do the mind meld because he wanted to make sure that Khan didn't suspect something? I believe, him. I guess so. I don't know,
0: and then maybe Spock shared his visions with Khan and and
1: needed it, you know, somehow. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, I don't know. But definitely if I was Spock and I had an opportunity to uh, do a mind meld with Kirk, I might do it just because of what I found out. Because you never know when Kirk tries to go against Spock. Right. Doggy dog, mirror universe. So I would, want, I would want That's to get all the information I could on, my, uh, on a potential threat to my life, my continued existence.
0: Well, and we know they will based on the the Tipton's Mirror Universe issues later, or yes. which court, which happened chron- chronologically, chronologically
1: later yeah. in this story. Yep, I-, I got one more comment on this one. Um, yeah. Is I'm kind of wondering why Predator ended up in this issue. Oh wow! Now I'm into it. Predator. <laughs> Predator. Okay, where? Okay, now this is just me. And I'm sure you're just going to poo-poo it. But on third page,
0: fourth page,
1: it's where Khan is walking through a hallway and Spock's behind him. Sure. And Khan's got his right hand up uh, with his fingers extended like he's making a point or something. In front of Khan is somebody in a very odd outfit. Uh, Definitely not, I mean, it's, it's a rebel ship, right? So I guess right. anybody can dress like anything. But it's like, I'm looking at the dreadlocks, and I'm looking at the, uh, the outfit, and the first thing I thought of was Predator. Mm. So I just thought it was an odd outfit. So it's, a, it, what is it, like, almost like an acorn, <laughs> <laughs> a, a metal, metal leaf acorn, something or other that's on, that's on top of the fabric? I, uh, I don't get the outfit. I don't get it either, but I definitely did not get Predator. Okay, well that's what I got.
0: <laughs> I assumed it was some sixties outfit from some other from sixties outfit <laughs> from some random episode. I I don't know.
1: Is that supposed to be a girl? I think it's a girl. Okay, so it's going over her breasts. Is although they don't have to be covered up because it's it's got cl- cloth underneath. Um. Anyway, it's weird. Weird outfit. It's a weird outfit. Yeah. Okay. That's all I got, man. All right. That's all you got? All I got.
0: All right. Well, next episode, we're going to do a shorter episode, and we are only going to cover two books, one being uh, Star Trek Year 5, 16, and the other one being the first issue of the Deep Space Nine miniseries called Too Long a Sacrifice.
1: Cool. I'm looking forward to both of them. Yeah. I want to see how the Year 5 ends, and I haven't read a DS9 story in a while. Right, and it's uh, written
0: by Scott Tipton and David Tipton. Cool. They're usually pretty good.
1: They are really good. Okay.
0: Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, thank you, Kim, and thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next week.
1: You're welcome, Donovan. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at star-t-comicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at First Name, ST Comic, Second Name, Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek comic book review. Let's get the hell out of here.